0: Deception in the Church series, Part 14, Babylon 2. I'm going to be talking to you for about 30 to 40 minutes and then on, on Revelation 17, and then I'm going to give you about a 10 second break so that you, if you need to pause or go somewhere, you can. And then we're going to be finishing off by talking about Genesis chapter 10. Uh, very briefly, I want to give you a rundown on what a couple of definitions that we gave to you last session. Uh, my definition of Babylon is Babylon is a satanic system of, go- of the government of this world into which mankind and demonic spirits work together for the one purpose of uniting all mankind into worshipping Satan. And this will ultimately take place. The ultimate confirmation and con- conclusion of this will take place at the beginning of the Great Tribulation where the Antichrist rises to power. Babylon represents man apart from the rule of God. So it's the community of man where they've set up a community and they've thrown God out of the community. It's a godless community. And if we look back to the past and we look at Babylon all the way through history, even today and culminating in Revelation chapter 17, we will be able to trace how mankind has always tried to rule themselves and this has been infused with the demonic and it, it's, it's an entrenchment of the resistance of mankind to God. Uh, Babylon represents the continued resistance against God. And we can see that where Babylon manifests biblically through the ages. And it, and, and it manifests in different styles. So there's different camouflages each time it manifests. So the camouflage today is postmodernism. So you can see it manifesting in Sodom and Gomorrah. Egypt, Babylon, Tyre, Nineveh, Rome. You can see it manifesting in the Middle Ages in the Roman Catholic Church and the Holy Roman Empire and various other empires around the world. Eschatologically, it is a symbol of satanic deception and power, which will culminate as you see in Revelation 17 and 18. Um, it's, It's difficult to try and pin down with a specific definition because it is so... Big, broad and it encompasses virtually anything you want but ultimately its objective is to get man to worship the devil. Babylon is a name so it can be a characteristic of a city throughout history or a religious institution or a commercial institution. It's uh, also a city or a symbol. So, for example, if I say Rome, I could be meaning the Roman Catholic Church or the city of Rome. If I say Hollywood, it could mean a suburb in Los Angeles or it could be the uh, film industry in Los Angeles. So, Babylon can be said to represent the culture of man apart from God. So Babylon will represent that culture where the new Jerusalem will represent a culture that is centered around God. Babylon has a culture that is centered around Satan. And uh, it manifests and it controls the earth through three systems. A political system, a religious system, and a financial system. Let's look at Revelation 17, Babylon future now. Now, I believe, now these are my personal opinions, and you feel free to disagree with me, it's okay. Now, I believe that, um, and I'm going to be focusing in on the religious aspect, a little bit about the religious aspect, and I'll talk to you a little bit about the political aspect in the section here, but I believe that um, postmodernism today is the current camouflage Of The Babylonian system and I will address it in the podcast later on concerning the cross of Jesus Christ. So let's just redo the definition of Babylon. So it's in your mind and then I'm going to give you a very, very personalized definition of what I see as the Babylonian religion or the arm of religion. So Babylon is the satanic system of government for this world into which mankind and demonic spirits work together for the one purpose of uniting all mankind into worshipping Satan. And this will have its culmination at the start of the tribulation under the rule of the Antichrist. Now my definition of Babylon religion is this. It is a non-absolute, flesh-gratifying do-it-yourself mixed together copious, with copious dollops of Gnostic worship that will ultimately point you to worship the devil. Let me give that to you again. The Babylonian religion, specifically as it manifests today, is a non-absolute, flesh-gratifying, do-it-yourself mixed into copious dollops of Gnostic worship that will ultimately point you to Satan. Okay, so let's get in and look at Revelation 17. Now, I believe personally that we are currently witnessing the rise of Babylon 17. The beast of Revelation 17 right now before our very, very, uh, our very eyes. Let's look at verse 1 to 6. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came to me, uh, came and said to me, come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters with her. The kings of the earth committed adultery and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into the desert. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand, filled with the abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. So she sits on many waters. Revelation 17.15 gives us an explanation of what that means. Then the angel said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. So this system, which we see depicted as a woman, the mother of prostitutes, the abominations of the earth, she is sitting... On many waters. Now, so so. In other words, her control goes to peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. So it is a worldwide religious influence. It is manifesting currently in the West, and it's fighting against the Western Church and Western civilization, which has been, generally speaking, um, Judeo-Christian based democracies. It is manifesting as postmodernism. And postmodernists, interestingly, view mankind as an ocean as well. Very biblical. Now, this is the religion of the future, and this is the current manifestation of the camouflage that is being presented to us. And this religion is going to be dominating the world, and it is definitely a, a, a one world system. Any move to join, merge, dialogue, pray with, find world peace with, mix with people of other religions, outside of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, is Babylonian. And Babylon has and always will lead the world in the pursuit of a false religion, whether it be from pure paganism to perverted Christianity and it will ultimately lead you to the to bow your knee before the feet of Satan. Here's your warning beware of all things ecumenical. It's Babylonian. A non absolute, flesh gratifying, do it yourself, mixed together in copious dollops of gnostic worship. Babylon has always dominated mankind politically, financially, and religiously from a post-flood civilization in Genesis 10 up until today. And it will go forward into the future until Jesus returns. Now let's look at some political leaders and people. Now I want you to just think about this for a second. What do you need to control a population? All right, what do you need? Well, what you need is is, is a Babylonian system, a system that dominates politics, a system that dominates finances, and a system that dominates religion. So, through leading people, you can dominate them and provide them security and work and shelter through politics. Finances, you can finance them, and you can sate them with their de- meeting their desires. And religiously, you can you can um, fuel their passion, or you can put them to sleep and put their morals to sleep. So when we look at political leaders and we look at peoples of the earth, let's just briefly look at politics now. I have a specific view of politics and you can read that in my book, Finding the Discipleship Environment, which you can find on www.life-house.net forward slash f-a-d-e dot And that will give you a view of my politics so you know that I'm not pushing one side or the other in, in, in this in this area. Now, in Revelation chapter 17 verse 1 and 2, the angel of the Lord comes who has the seven bowls, and he comes and he says to John, come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute. So that's Babylon, who sits on many waters. So we know what many waters is. peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. Verse 2, there are two groups of people that incorporate the many peoples. It's their leadership class, and it's their people. So with her, the kings of the earth committed adultery. Adultery is... An illegitimate relationship. So if you are in a marriage relationship. Adultery is you having an illegitimate relationship with someone else. Now God ordained the rulers and placed them in their positions of power to lead people to him. And create an environment in which they can worship him freely. So what the leaders of the world have done is they have moved away from their Duty to the the God of the universe, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And they've now taken mankind into a relationship with the prostitute Babylon. So they've committed adultery with her. The people of of the earth, the Bible says the inhabitants of the earth, now became intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. So we're looking at world leaders, leaders of nations who personify kingdoms, These leaders are going to be the self-same leaders who will ultimately be deceived by demons and lead their nations into a war with the Antichrist against Israel and against the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can read about that in Revelation 16 verse 14. So world and national leaders, politicians commit immorality, commit fornication and adultery with Babylon by uniting themselves with her, and using her power, which she gets from the first beast, the Antichrist, to stay in power, and to rule, dominate, and get all the benefits of of their political uh, careers. This system also meets the needs of the inhabitants of the earth, not just the kings, and the inhabitants of the earth become drunk. Alright, so... To become drunk, to become inebriated, we have to give over our will and, and, and partake of what she is offering. Paul writes to the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10-11 to 11, and says, All the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. And for this reason God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. Now here's the problem. In many, many instances, that lie is something that these people absolutely love. Because they go to it to make themselves drunk. You've heard of the term Kool-Aid drinkers. Alright? Post-modernism is the current Kool-Aid of Babylon. Now obviously, the Bible depicts, and we'll talk about this later, the Bible depicts... Uh, two different women representing two different systems. So you've got a Babylon system, which is a prostitute, representing Satan. And you've got the bride of Christ representing the church. So there are two systems here, two different women. So the woman here is not the same woman as chapter 12, 19, 21 or 22. That's the bride of Christ. What this woman offers leads to drunkenness. Leads to emptiness. It leads to satanic worship. And here is the danger. Alright. This is the danger. It leads people to eternity in hell. That was prepared by God for Satan. And the angels that rebelled with Satan against God. Okay. So be very, very careful of accepting stuff. It comes from Babylon. I also want you to take very, very careful note of this. Alright. So he sees this woman in verse 1. But he sees this woman sitting on a beast. The description of this beast is exactly the same as the description of the Antichrist in chapter 13, verse 1. Except that here the beast is scarlet. So this could represent two different things. One... It could, could symbolize luxury and splendor, chapter 14, verse 8 to 11, Isaiah 1, 18, Matthew 27, 28 to 29. Or it could represent a socialistic influence that will eventually lead to a fascist dictatorship, fascist communist dictatorship. If you look at the governments of the world today, most of the governments are socialistically leaning governments, labor governments. And so the government that ultimately the Antichrist will come from will be a socialistically influenced government and he will take control of it as a dictator. So what is happening here is that Babylon is the system... That the, the that, that has been created and the false prophet is ruling the system and creating the system of government that will ultimately be placed at the feet of this fascist dictator. When we study the counterfeits, I told you that the counterfeit Holy Spirit, which is the false prophet, will be there to present mankind as worshippers of Satan. So they will be. So the false prophet will be pointing to the Antichrist. Because the Holy Spirit, which the false prophet counterfeits, the Holy Spirit's job is to point you to Jesus, the real Christ. So the false prophet is going to be pointing you to the Antichrist. Now here is a picture of this taking place. Now the development of this one world system linked to politics, linked to economics, will, will usher in and onto the world the rule and the reign of the Antichrist. And all these teachings, no matter how cleverly disguised, will be leading us into a global ecumenical interfaith movement and that will lead us to beast worship, which is satanic worship. And the cup in her hand gives her this appearance and in that cup are all these abominations, all these things all these desires, all these belief systems, anything you want is in that cup. And when you drink from that cup, you become intoxicated with the Kool-Aid of postmodernism currently and whatever Babylon is offering you that you want to take. We are told and we are warned not to partake. Deuteronomy 18.9, 32, 16. This is an interesting one here. Jeremiah fifty one seven Babylon was a gold cup in the Lord's hand. She made the whole earth drunk. The nations drank her wine. Therefore, they have now gone mad. So you begin drinking the Kool Aid, and basically, your belief systems, your moral compass, your 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 common sense compass is going to get scrambled. My wife showed me this article. From our local newspaper from the 5th of May, the Courier-Mail. And it said, why reading is now bad for children. Now I'm going to read this article to you. I mean, when I read this article, I, 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 I cannot believe it. I cannot believe that this is actually discussed. The ABC, which is the Australian Broadcast Company, has questioned whether parents should read to their children at bedtime, claiming doing so could give them an unfair advantage. Is having a loving family an unfair advantage? asks the headline of a story on the ABC's website. Should parents snuggling up for the one-for-one one last story before lights out be even a little concerned about the advantage they might be conferring? The story was followed by an ABC Radio national broadcast on the apparently divisive issue of bedtime reading. Evidence shows that the difference between those who go, who get bedtime stories and those who don't is bigger than the difference between those who get elite private Schooling and those that don't. British academic Adam Swift said in an interview with Joe Gelasoni, I don't think parents reading their children bedtime stories should constantly have in their minds the way they are unfairly disadvantaging other people's children. But I think they should have that thought occasionally, he said. Gelasoni responded online, this devilish twist of evidence surely leads to a further conclusion that perhaps bedtime stories should be restricted. He said the bedtime stories angle was highlighted as a way of getting attention. That is obviously not what we think, he said. <laughs> oh man. I'm incredulous. I'm scratching my head. In belief. I cannot believe. But this is postmodernism. This is Babylon. It is unbelievable. Anyway, (laughs) let me not get on a soapbox. Let me move on. Let's look at 16 verse uh, 16 and 17. Verses 16 and 17. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and they will burn her with fire. I have a question. I want you to think about this. What does a fascist dictator who is a warmonger do with the economy of his country? What does a fascist dictator who is a warmonger do with political leaders and his political allies once he takes power? Or... What does a fascist dictator who is a warmonger do with his religious allies once he takes power? The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. All you have to do is go and look at 20th century history at such leaders. Hitler, Stalin, Tung are examples. And ultimately what will happen is that this system of government which has been ruling mankind since Genesis chapter 10 will be completely shredded and destroyed as the Antichrist takes over. And so what he will then do is he will will then command the political arm basically to be subservient to everything he does. And you can see in scripture how they will give him his power he will take complete control over the financial arm he will devastate the economies of the world he will institute his own economy and he will control and dominate the populations under his rule and authority with that system and then he will take the religious system and completely grab it by the throat put it down Next to him, or be below his feet, and he will stand on it, and he will say, "You will worship me." So he will bring her to ruin. That is the system. He will leave her naked. He will eat the flesh, and he will burn her with fire. This, I believe, will ultimately take place at the middle at the of of, the, of Daniel's seventh seventieth week, where the antichrist breaks his covenant with Israel. And then he will demand that everybody will worship him or die. Daniel 9.27, he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes a desolation until the end that is decreed is poured on him. Jesus speaks in Matthew 24.15 about this event. See, when you see, so, when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that caused a desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Paul talks to the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians 2.4. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, speaks in John uh, Revelation thirteen eight. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Verse 15, the second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Babylon as a system is going to collapse system that we are currently under and I believe that is currently manifesting itself in a very very powerful way now a global dictatorship is going to come out of that and it's going to be a full-fledged evil dictatorship like the 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 likes of which we've not seen it's going to make Hitler Stalin and Tung look like uh, kindergarten children now how is this going to eventuate this is my personal view i think that it's going to it's going to ultimately kick off at the beginning of the 70th week of daniel a massive war in the middle east that is going to the center on the middle east that is going to kill so many people and it's going to cause the leaders and the people of the world to point to the horrors of the level of bloodshed never seen before leading to a world, the world and religious leaders to demand a unified worship system. It's going to bring the economies of the world to collapse or near collapse, leading to the world and religious leaders to demand a unified monetary system. And there, there will be a peace treaty that gets signed. And in the party or at the head of the table will be the Antichrist. Now, the false prophet will set up this whole system, Babylonian system, and he will step aside and bow in worship to the Antichrist, and he will point to the Antichrist and say, here is the Savior of the world. Here is the man of peace. Here is the man that's going to bring peace to the world. And the beast will then take command of that, and he will command worship from the world church as Christ. All forms of religion, Everything that is false. Everything will be outlawed. And all the peoples of the earth. Are going to be commanded to worship the beast. And they will be commanded to enter into a covenant with him. In which they will give their souls to him. As he through that covenant. Will allow them to financially transact within his system. They will sign this covenant. This agreement. And they will receive. The the sign of this covenant will be receiving a mark. Of his in their body. And from that point on. You have a countdown to Armageddon. And you can basically time the return of Jesus Christ in days. We skip down now to verse 18. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. As I said to you at the beginning. We see that Babylon represents society apart from God. And the woman rules the kings of the earth. Verse 4 to 5, the woman was dressed in purple and scarlet, was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She held the golden cup in her hand, filled with the abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. This is the system of apostate religion. And as I've said before, it begins in Genesis chapter 10. And it symbolizes the rule and reign of man apart from God. And, 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 and this is going to culminate in Revelation 17, which I believe is beginning to happen before our very eyes. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, you've got to understand that religion has always guided the affairs of man. And we can see this throughout history. We can see it in the Middle Ages where the popes wielded great influence financially and politically over the Holy Roman Empire. We see that as Jezebel, who was a a priest of Baal, uh, ruled over King Ahab and led the whole nation of Israel into the worship of Baal. The final form of this world religion is not even going to be Christian in name. It's going to be atheistic. It's going to be humanistic. It's going to be a satanic system and it's going to deny everything related to the true God and it's going to persecute those people who are connected with God whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, what are we looking out for? Let me go over the definitions again. Babylon is the satanic system of the government of this world into which mankind and demonic spirits work together For the one purpose of uniting all mankind into worshiping Satan. And this will ultimately culminate at the beginning of the tribulation in the middle of the 70th week under the Antichrist. What does the religion of Babylon look like today? A non-absolute flesh gratifying do-it-yourself mixed into copious dollops of gnostic worship that will point you to Satan. So here are the indicators that you've got to look out for when this thing comes at you. So you need to learn these indicators and basically get them as a filter within your mind so that you're able to really withstand the approaches of the Babylonian system and its influences and its teachers as they come and try and water down your belief system in the things of God. This is what to look for. Their system... They believe that, there is, that, that that's, it, it is salvation by works. And that is the bedrock of their system. Okay? If you have to work for your salvation, it's Babylonian. Second thing you need to look for here is that the desire to glorify self rather than God is the foundation of the economic system. Look out for anything that is self-promoting. Be very, very cautious of anything that, that is it's your day. This is your day to be blessed. This is your thing. This is, you know, Blessing from God is not... I don't have a problem with it. But be very careful of its source. Because it could have its roots into the Babylonian system where there is a desire to glorify self. Remember one of the cornerstones of the founding of Babylon in Genesis 11 is this. Come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to heaven so that we might make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the earth, so it's a very, very self-oriented belief system. So go over watch out for salvation by works. watch out for self-gratification and glorification rather than God. Watch out for agnostic Jesus. we've spoken about this at length in the series. Watch out if they try and promote a word or a Bible without a tr- without truth in it. and that's deconstructuralism. Watch out for a crossless salvation. Watch out for uh, them watering down the work of, of the cross of Jesus Christ, and watch out for a lifestyle that is governed by the flesh. Babylon is the great satanic system of evil that has been corrupting the history of man on the Earth, and it is marked by every form of idolatrous humanism that you can think. It's that cup of idolatry. It is a political system, it is an economic system, it is a system that is originated by Babylon, it is formed by man, influenced by demons, and it leaves God out of everything. Its philosophy, her philosophy, has influenced the nations, and they have acted in an immoral way, and they have grown rich at the expense of mankind. Its influence is worldwide worldwide governed by political self-interest, governed by materialism, and governed by self, which are its chief sins. I'm going to finish this section off and give you a 10 second break. And then we'll start off with Genesis chapter 10 and 11. But I want to finish off with this verse of scripture in Revelation 18, 23. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride will never be heard in you again. Your merchants were the world's important people. By your magic spells all nations were led astray. Hopefully we had a little bit of a 10 second break and uh, we're going to pick right up where we left off. Now we have discussed Babylon in Revelation chapter 17 now we're going to go look at Babylon back in history why am I doing this I'm hoping to show you both the birth of the system of Babylon post flood here in Genesis chapter 10 and link it all the way through to Revelation chapter 17 and 18 its culmination The full-blown prostitute sitting on the waters, sitting on the beast in Revelation 17. And then what I'm hoping that will take place with you is that you will then begin to see, start to see the system as it operates through its camouflage. In about two podcast time, I'll talk to you about postmodernism and the cross of Jesus Christ and the camouflage that is currently being used. But if you can begin to see through the camouflage, you'll begin to see how in politics the whole system is geared to generating absolute confusion and a breakdown of every system so that when The the, the Babylonian system and the false prophet hands it over to the Antichrist, he will be hailed as this great leader that brings common sense back into the world. You can see it in religion where absolute truth is pummeled and we need to look for a person that is here and now that will save us. And then financially, you'll see that we need to do away with all this greed, etc., etc., and they'll collapse the system and so introduce a controlled system. And we'll talk a little bit about that in this podcast when we talk about Genesis 10 and 11. So hopefully, the objective is through these three podcasts on Babylon, Babylon 1, 2, and 3, when we deal with uh, Revelation chapter 18, you'll be able to begin to... Recognize the traces of the Babylonian system in all these forms and systems that you operate in. And not be part of it. Nor intimidated by it. A lot of writers, and I would say that I'm myself included in this. Look at Genesis chapter 10 and we see the emergence of the Babylonian system uh, post-flood begin to take place, and we see it traced all the way through history and manifesting itself strongly in various different forms, different camouflages and different areas. Uh, For example, in religion, we see a strong Roman Catholic emphasis through the Middle Ages, uh, decreasing during the Reformation period, but now joining together with progressivism and ecumenicalism, And ultimately leading us into an interfaith movement with the World Council of Churches. So we see that evolving movement take place throughout time. So if you look at it, you see that evolving in the Christian sphere. But you'll also see that evolving and joined together in the the non-Christian religions as well. (coughs) Excuse me. You can see that taking place with politics. You can see that taking place in finance as well. As I've said, if you study deception in the church, ultimately you'll be stepping over the eschatological line and starting to study end times as well. This is a system, you have to understand this, this is a system that is actively and completely opposed to God. It is actively and completely opposed to people, the people of God. And to the purposes of God. To the extent that this system gets drunk on the blood of believers. She gets intoxicated on the blood of believers. And these you would call the saints of God. Specifically witnesses of Jesus Christ himself. Now this system rejoices in the destruction of God's purpose and God's things and especially God's people. So in the days of the Roman Empire, after the birth of the church, you see a very, very strong persecution developing with regards to the Christian church. And you're starting to see it manifest itself in the West today. And there is a huge amount of persecution and um, also a martyrdom with regards to Christians in countries in the world today. So as it manifests more and more, you are going to see this aggression build against the western church Um, so let's go into Genesis chapter 10 and Genesis chapter 11 and we'll see the origins of the development of Babylon where it came from chapter 10 9 to 10 he was a mighty hunter before the Lord that is why it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord, the first centuries of his kingdom, the first centers of his kingdom, sorry, were Babylon, and uh, in Uruk, Akkad, and Kalneh and Shina, which is Babylonia. Nimrod basically is the founder coming in, and he becomes the object of worship, as well as his mother. And so, in Babylon religion, you'll always have a mother... Child, which is also husband, been worshipped. Chapter 11, verse 1 to 9. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinna, Babylonia, and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and bitumen and form mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speak in the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their languages, language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because the Lord, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Alright, I'm going to go through a couple of verses of scripture at a time, just uh, unpacking this particular passage. And, 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 the, and as I said, the objective is to see... The motive and the purpose of the birthing of the Babylonian system. Now, what you've got to see. Is that people here were attempting to preserve their unity. And make a name for themselves. By gathering together, building a tower. Excluding God. Going against God's clear instruction. So... God became frustrated, irritated, or God came and brought down judgment, and He he divided their languages up, and that caused them to fulfill His purpose by saying, go go around the whole world and fill up the whole world. Whenever man rebels and decides to go his own way and exclude God from his life, and then in that rebellion colludes with demon forces. That brings down the judgment of God. So that's the first thing I want you to just pack away into your head as I just explain some things to you. The second thing I want you to understand is that there is sometimes in scripture, you might read one verse of scripture to another verse of scripture, but just in those two verses of scripture, you've got quite a few hundreds of years going by. So it's not just an immediate thing that takes place. Or so when we come in and talking about judgment taking place in Revelation 18, and we've been saying that the Lord has come in for 2,000 years, you shouldn't be surprised that there's a period of time in between, because you know the Lord is long-suffering, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to salvation. So pre-flood, we have Genesis chapter 3. Man listens to Satan, colludes with Satan, walks away from God, chooses to go his own way, the results, judgment, death, and separation from God into the human race and a physical expulsion takes place from them out of the Garden of Eden and then they begin heading east from there. So an expulsion takes place. They, 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 they are separated from the presence of God and they begin to physically die because spiritually they've died and the ultimate end is eternal separation from God which is hell so from the expulsion man's population starts to increase and so we see Genesis chapter 6 verse 8 chapter 6 to chapter 8 we see the next event beginning to take place so the population of man continues to grow now Remember, in their verbal story, they know about what happened from Eden. And often many of the people that were closest to Adam and Eve, their children and their grandchildren, were alive and well with them at that point in time. So they know the story, basically pretty much firsthand of what happened, what God did. Yet, as the population grew, they again began to rebel against God and then collude with demons. And the Bible narrative tells us that it's a sexual collusion. I'm not going to go into that now. We can go into it another time. Resulting in a race of Nephilim being born. What are the results? God floods the earth in judgment. One family is saved. The destruction of the antediluvian world takes place. They are expelled from the antediluvian world. And they now come into a post-flood world with one family. Now that family comes out from Ararat and heads east. So Genesis chapter 10 verse 11. Now they are starting to gather together. Now God has already told them, you, need to, you guys need to separate. They don't. They gather together. Chapter 11, verse 3 to 4, they said to each other, Come, let us, bake, uh, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They use bricks instead of stone, bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we will make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Now, that decision resulted in judgment. Post-flood humanity Is as bad and iniquitous as pre-flood humanity. Old Testament people, Israel, are as bad and iniquitous as New Testament people, church. You see, inherited sin, we, we are sinners because we inherit sin, automatically points us against God. And we begin automatically to collude with the devil. Now I'm going to give you two verses of scripture out of the book of Ephesians. And I'm going to give you my opinion. This is my opinion. You don't have to agree with me. This is my personal opinion. On a possible reason for God coming down and dividing the languages and scattering people all around. Okay. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 to 10... We have this beautiful picture of what God's love is. Because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages... God's love for us, God's mercy for us, is a pre-eternal condition towards us. That, to me, blows my mind. It is absolutely fantastic. Okay? Now, while I'm in a state of opposition to God, being an enemy of God, His grace, His unmerited favor is still directed towards me so that I can be saved in Jesus Christ. Now, verse 7 is pretty interesting. And this is where I get my idea from with regards to the judgment on Genesis 10. In the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So, because he knew and because he loved He set up a plan and he wasn't going to let any person or any demon interfere with the unfolding of his plan to show us his grace that we can experience firsthand in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10 to 13. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. According to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So, in spite of the lies of the devil, in spite of the lies of Babylon, in spite of the lies of the servants of Babylon and the servants of the devil and the false prophets of false apostles, in spite of all their lies, I can still approach God with freedom and confidence because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And this has always been God's eternal purpose. And this has been God's wisdom. He is showing his wisdom to all these rulers and authorities, all these demon forces, all these forces of darkness. He's showing it to them. So going back to Genesis chapter uh, chapter 11, you know, we don't see a devastating judgment like the flood, but we do see God coming down and absolutely bringing total confusion to the plans of the devil and his people. And what happens here is that God is, 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 is in my mind, saying, if these people continue the way they're going, they're going to sow pollute the human race that it will become unsalvageable there will be no one left there will be no remnant so to establish God's purpose to keep his purpose in place to keep his plans going to keep his timetable going and we'll talk about that in a few minutes he then brings confusion to the human race so in Genesis chapter 11 we have a problem Man giving birth to Babylon. In Genesis chapter twelve, we have God's answer and solution given to Abraham as a covenant. I love I just I just love this. So the line of Shem, Noah's son, gets divided in his son Eba into two streams. The one stream ends up in Babylon and the other stream ends up in the promised land. Babylon always to the east. People always leave the promised land to go to the east. People always leave God to go to the east. Pretty interesting. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech and the people moved eastward. They found a plain in Shinar, Babylonia and they settled there. 11, 1 to 2. So the Hamites migrated east. Mesopotamia modern day Iraq. So it, it's a brilliant picture from the narrative of uh, of Genesis where he leaves Eden, he leaves a promise, he leaves the presence of God, he goes east. He comes out of the flood, he goes east. He set up the tower, the tower is in the east, it's Babylon, it's where Sodom is, it's where Gomorrah is. So there's always this Picture a contrast between the purposes of God, the plan of God, the line of God, the lineage of God, the people of God, and the purposes of Satan, the plan of Satan, the line of Satan, the lineage of Satan, the people of Satan. I find it very, very interesting. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 3 to 4. They said to each other, come let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly, then use the bricks instead of stone, bitment for mortar. And they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves, otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the earth. What is the motivation of the heart of man to build the city? Babylon, as I've said before, represents a community of man and demon that excludes God and the purposes of God. In a couple of uh, some other sermon I've, I've, I've shared with you, I've said that oftentimes the Holy Spirit will give us the motive and thought process of God of Jesus, whatever through the writers of the Psalms. And I think I think if you read Psalm fourteen, I think you could possibly look at the motive of God as He looks down on the city being built. Psalm 1. The fool says in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt, their deeds are vile. There is no good. There is no one who does good. Now I want you to notice that because oftentimes when we talk about judgment and we talk about the wrath of God being poured out, people are going, "Oh, that's not fair." Correct. It is not fair. It is just because these people are corrupt. Okay. Their deeds, what they are doing, are vile. Look around you today, deeds been done, they are vile deeds. There is no excusing them, but people are excusing them if you go and read Romans chapter 1. There is no one who does good. Verse 2, the Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away, all have become corrupt, there is no one who does good, not even one. Do all these evildoers know nothing? They devour my people as though eating bread. They never call on the Lord. But there they are. Overwhelmed with dread for God is is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor. But the Lord is their refuge. Oh that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores his people. Let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. They wanted to empower themselves. But their motive was ungodly they did not want to follow god's plans and god's precepts they didn't want to follow god's laws in chapter 1 verse 28 god says fill the earth spread out of the whole planet they did not want to do that they wanted a society excluding god where they themselves could get to heaven themselves which is a cornerstone of the babylonian system self-salvation Verse 5 and 6. But the Lord came down to the city and the tower of the people were building. The Lord said, if, if as one people speak in the same language, they have begun to do this. Then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. They had plans to get to God. They were going to get to God by their own means. Any religion that attempts for themselves to get to God is a false religion and that is Babylon any religion that, that gets invited by God to come to him on his terms basically is God's religion and you'll find that outlined in the word of God now, had God allowed this project to continue, I believe the results would have gotten worse and worse and worse. And the remnant would have gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. I don't know. Maybe it would have culminated in there being no one no one in, 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 in the bloodline of mankind through which the promised fulfillment of a Savior could come. And, and, and Revelation 17 and 18 would have taken place right there and then. I don't know. But if I read Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 3, I begin to have an inkling that this is my opinion. Now, the enemy is always trying to preempt God's plans and God's timing for God's purpose. If the enemy comes and attacks you, one of the first things he's going to do is he's going to try and take... The control of when and where away from you. When do you do battle? What is the time in the battle? Where do you do the battle? And the enemy continually tries to do that. Now I want you to compare these two passages of scripture here. In Daniel chapter 2, 20 to 21, it says, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. Verse 21, He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. So God is in complete control. No matter what you might think you see, ultimately God is in control. If you think evil is in control, think again because God will ultimately turn evil to his purposes and fulfill his purposes and judgments. That might not sound good, might not sound nice, but God is in ultimate control. What the devil tries to do is wrestle that control from him. And this is one of the jobs of the Antichrist. He will come in and he will attempt to do that. Daniel chapter 7 verse 25. He will speak against the Most High and oppress His holy people and try to change the set times and laws. Alright? He is going to come in and speak against God. He's going to oppress God's people and he is going to try and interfere with the timing of what God's purposes are going to be and interfere in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I say these are my opinions. The sins of the builders here, were they refused to obey God's given directive. So, this depraved humanity began to unite in a spiritual endeavor, a spiritual job of them getting to heaven, using as much technology of their time as they could possibly use, And through all existential meaning apart from God, join mankind together to transgress the boundaries of God's law and they themselves will reach heaven. So unless God comes along and now intervenes and brings judgment, nothing is going to stop them in their pride and in their desire for independence from God from fulfilling this purpose. Now, building cities is not bad. Alright, God chose Jerusalem. God's building a new Jerusalem. But it's the pride and a motive that you've got to watch out for. Remember, this is the story of the birth of the Babylonian system. Revelation chapter 17 shows us her full grown. Now, I want you to notice something as well. This is just something to put in your thought process and just keep in the back of your mind as you walk around In everyday life and you begin to be more and more alert to the system you're walking around in. There is always a tendency to gather together and build a system together to control it from the center out. Alright? Generally speaking, if you see that pattern, you're probably looking at a Babylonian emphasized system. You're looking at it in politics. You're looking at it in finances. You're looking at it in religion. Ecumenical movement in finances. One world monetary system. uh, Ecumenical movement in religion. One world monetary system in finances. And a UN union in politics. A one world governmental system. Also interesting to note that the more they gather together. The more persecution comes against Christianity. Because Christianity... God wants an individual relationship with you. And there is an individual responsibility. People don't want to take responsibility for themselves. And so they'll put it onto some external means. That those people of the external means will gather them gather them together. Let them do what they want. Say what they want. Behave how they want. As long as ultimately they worship Satan. Now here's a little interesting point. The number that I'm going to give you, I stand under correction. It could be wrong, but it's probably near the mark. But I've heard that around 56 nations in the United Nations General Assembly allow or actively participate in the persecution of Christians and Christianity within their country's boundaries borders. Very interesting. So the Lord scattered them from they're over all the earth and they stopped building the city, verse 8. The result of the confusion, and as I said earlier, God will always use judgment. God will always use them to fulfill His purposes anyway. He wanted them over the earth, so He made them go over the earth, but everybody had a different language. So God did not allow human rebellion to reach the level as it had before the flood. And so... Because they didn't voluntarily agree to go around, go to all the earth, he made them do it. Now, I want you to understand this, religious wise, we're talking religion now. In my mind, there are only two religions on the planet. There is a religion and worship of the true God, the God of the Bible, God of creation. And there is a religion and worship of the false God, the counterfeit God, which is Satan. Up until Genesis chapter 11, verse uh, 8. The scattering of the languages, the confusion of the languages, the scattering of the tribes. Up until that point, everyone spoke the same. Everyone basically had the same sort of thought process that, that, that language gives us. When the language scattered, obviously people who understood each other, gathered together and moved, uh, moved aside. And they started to think differently, and they started to behave differently, and they moved further and further away from each other. But here is the thing. Those that followed the Babylonian worship of Nimrod and Seriamos, mother and child, in their language they took that worship with them. So, Amos will be known in pagan Rome as Sybil, the goddess mother. In Germany, as Hertha, and she'll have a child in arms. In Greece, Irene, the goddess of peace. Amongst the Druids, Virgo and Petunia, mother god. In China, Mu, holy mother of China. In modern Rome, Mary, mother of God. Ephesus, that, that took place in 1854. Ephesus, Diana, the god of the Ephesians. In India, Isis, goddess Mother with child, Rhea, and other names you get as Rhea. You get Venus, we're a, we're a goddess of love with a beautiful little child, Jupiter in herself. Nimrod. Nimrod became in, known in Asia as Dios. Pagan Rome is the boy Jupiter. In ancient Greece, Bacchus, the god of Parting. In Greece, the boy, the center, or the boy Jupiter. Babylonian, the winged one, India. You've got Iswara. Uh, amongst the Syrians, Tamezu. We even have, met, listen to this in the amplified version of e- e- as Ezekiel, sorry, 8 verse 14. Then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the Lord's house. And behold, there sat woman we- weeping for Tamezu, a Babylonian god who was supposed to die annually and subsequently be resurrected. Very interesting. That is why it was called Babel. Verse 9, the Tower of Babel. Babel means confused in the Hebrew language, and Bab- in the Babylonian language, it means the gate of gods. <laughs> Pretty ironic and, 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 and interesting for me to see that. All right, let's move on. An interesting point that I find is that in the Bible, all false religion is linked to a harlot or a prostitute. So I'm going to be using the name the, the name prostitute or harlot here and there. So so just get over the shock of of receiving it. Now, all through scripture you 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 pick up that the personification of false religion is prostitution and harlotry and 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 so when a believer Interacts with a false religion. That is called spiritual fornication. That is idolatry. So any believer that's involved with idolatry. Is a spiritual fornicator. And they're either called a fornicator or an an adulterer. So that is sexual immorality. Now fornication and adultery. Fornication is where two individuals have sexual intercourse. Outside of marriage. And adultery is where. A married person has sexual intercourse outside of marriage. And so now the Bible coming along and the image it creates in you is now any connection with false religion. You're having an interaction with a prostitute and that is spiritual idolatry. It is spiritual fornication. And so the Bible pitches the true church or the true worship of God as a virgin bride and the woman of purple sitting astride the first beast is the religious Babylon, and that's separated to Satan. Isaiah 23, 15 to 17, you can see it there. Jeremiah 13:27, your adulteries and lustful nay na- neighborings, your shameless prostitution. Uh, Ezekiel 16, 17 to 19, you can read it there. Hosea chapter 2, verse 5, you can read it there. Now What I found interesting is that all the way through the Bible, you always get these different types of people that get mentioned. Their stories get mentioned. And as I said earlier, the stories that were given in the Old Testament are examples for us today. Oftentimes what I do is I can find out where a person originates in a particular sin. You'll pick out the principles of that. And if they're mentioned sometimes in the New Testament... You can basically make a comparison and see how these people operate in their false ways. So wicked woman in the Bible. Two names pop out to me. One is Delilah. So Delilah is a seductress. So she came along and she seduced a man. While she was getting paid from the Philistines. And that man of God had his Ministry, his mission, and ultimately his life destroyed because of her influence. Because he 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 came he, he subjected himself to her influence. So, a seducer for profit. You have Jezebel, probably one of the most famous uh, characters. She used her husband's authority, Ahab. So, Ahab is a gatekeeper. So, Jezebel used the authority of a gatekeeper... And the passivity of a gatekeeper to lead that nation of Israel to the worship of Baal, which is worshiping Satan. We have Jezebel mentioned in Revelation chapter 2, where she sets up in a church called Thyatira. Now, she corrupts the church spiritually and physically with adultery and sexual immorality. And um, possibly destroys the church's ability to defeat Satan. I want to just go into this a little bit and just have a look at Revelation chapter 2 verse 18 to 29 just to give you a, a, a bit of a picture. And as I'm reading through, I just want to stop and focus in on a few things here in this passage of Scripture to give you a picture of what actually takes place. So to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance. And that you are now doing more than you did at first. That's interesting. Verse 20. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teachings, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is willing. Another interesting verse of scripture. Verse 22. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teachings and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. Go and read Daniel chapter 12, especially the last couple of verses. Very interesting. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my father, I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Wow, powerful, powerful uh, scripture. Couple of things. This is a church that is very, very active in the things of God. Now, if you study Revelation and you study the letters, those letters could signify uh, seven churches at the time the letter was written, or it could signify the the, the age of the church. The seven ages of the church and we are in the age of Laodicea right now. The church that is lukewarm, asleep, blind, naked and wretched. Or it could also signify seven specific churches within our time frame as well. I accept all three. So there is a particular type of church that is very, very active. Now Jesus knows their deeds, so they are very active in what they are doing. He knows that they have love. He knows that they have faith. They're in service and they are persevering. And this church is actually doing more than it did at first. So it's increasing its yield capacity. The problem with this church, it has allowed a Jezebel prophet to come in with Babylonian teachings. Now that Jezebel could be both a male or female, very, very controlling person. And they will come in and they will bring in teachings that will lead to sexual immorality and food being sacrificed to idols. Now very, very briefly, the sexual immorality is as I've explained it to you before. Here you have a person that is serving God and now they start fiddling around with false teachings. That is sexual immorality, spiritual sexual immorality. That is idolatry. Eating food sacrificed to idols in those days, any business was contracted within the temple environment. And in the temple environment, anything went. A lot of the worship in the temple was with prostitutes, male and female. And so people walking past a temple looking at a business meeting wouldn't have been able to see the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. And so through this teaching coming in, there is no difference between behavior of an unbeliever to a believer in the church. And so they're lowering the bar of the sanctification process and discipleship process within the church. For all you people who are all crying about being unfairly judged, etc., 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 I want you to understand this one thing. These people have not suddenly just arrived and have begun to now... Preach false teachings and lower the standards of believers within the church. They have been warned. And not once I believe they would be would have been warned repetitively. And verse 21 says that Jesus says, I've given her time to repent, but she is unwilling. These people are unwilling to repent. Now, verse 22 to 23. Speaks about the judgments that follow on the various groups. So she is cast onto a bed of suffering. Now read about what happens in Revelation 18. Uh, Her children will be struck down dead. Children, offspring, ministry, whatever she's doing works. Those that commit adultery with her will suffer intensely unless they repent. So you people involved with this kind of teachings, I'm calling you out. Next sermon... On Babylon Babylon three will be a calling out. How do you come out of this stuff? What is the process that you need to do to come out of this stuff? This is so that the church will know that Jesus searched your hearts and minds, spirit, and then your soul will be your mind, will, and your emotions. Jesus will search all of that. He sees beyond what you are saying. And. Everyone is going to be paid according to what they have done. He sees the deeds. Now the interesting thing is, there are a group, a remnant, that does not hold to these so-called deep secrets. Remember Mystery Babylon, that was her name. Cup full of secrets, uh, spiritual idolatry, going into all these deep secrets, Gnosticism, hidden truths. This is Satan's so-called deep secrets. You can be a god, you can do whatever you want, but at the end of it, you're going to worship me. That's the deepest secret of all. So, he then says to these people, One thing I'm going to hold you to, you've got to hold on to what you have until you come. Now, I'm going to read a passage of scripture out of a parable of Jesus on the virgins with the oil in their lamp. Now, you've got to remember the two hold on to what you have until he comes. And then to the one who is victorious and the one who does his will to the end. Then the reward will come in. Now opposing a Jezebel, you're going to have to come in like a Jehu. You're going to have to come in like an Elijah. You're going to have to come in like a John the Baptist. Now know this. Babylon is represented by this mystery prostitute, mother of prostitutes. It is a seductress. It is a vicious usurper of authority that will come in and absolutely hunt down and kill people. It's drunk on the blood of believers. There is going to come a time and it is increasing when Revelation 17 is not future but it is now. And you're going to have to hold on to what you have until he comes. And you better know what you have. And what you have needs to be good enough so that it will sustain you through that period of time. And you can go and read that period of time in Daniel chapter 12, last couple of verses. I'm warning you against passivity. Passivity is going to lead to the destruction of so many people in this time coming ahead. They're so focused on themselves and other things that they've become absolutely passive. Great persecution is coming against the faithful, against the remnant. And you can stand firm. So just remember, the picture that the Bible gives of spiritual seduction is the bride of Christ, good girls and bad girls will be the promiscuous Babylonian people. The spirit of false religion. Just remember, these people know how to talk. They are smooth and they have a massive false anointing. They have a weapon and they know how to use it. They have a sword and they are coming to deceive the naive, the passive, the undiscerning and the lazy. They are promoting agnostic Jesus, a truthless Bible, a cross without Christ, and a lifestyle to suit whatever flesh desire they want, that there's no distinction between them and the world. Remember, they have swords, and we need to begin to learn to live according to the Word of God that we have. Keep away from their house. Keep away from their churches. Stay out of their way. Stay out of the way from those teachers. Remember one thing. Look at their associations. Birds of a feather flock together. Alright, let's come back to the future and begin wrapping up this, this um, podcast, Babylon 2, and let's return to Revelation 17, our time. Now, Jesus has gone on a long, long journey. I'm warning you now. Be careful of people who tell you not to pay attention to the signs of the times. Guys like Rick Warren, Mark Christkel, Gerald Coates, Mike Bickle. Just 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 to name a few. Beware. Anyone who tells you not to look and be aware and be alert to the end times. Be aware of who they are and what they are representing. You've had your warning. Now, let's turn to Matthew 25 verse 1 to 13. Go through these parables. They are rich In powerful meanings. (coughs) Excuse me. At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins. Who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Okay, so. This is the church. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is the representatives of the church. The ten virgins. And they are represented by virgins who have lamps. And they are now waiting For the bridegroom. Jesus is gone. And he's been gone a long time. But he's coming back. Okay. So we are waiting for him. Verse 2. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. Okay. So here we have lazy, apathetic Christians who enjoy being spoon fed Enjoy a consumer mentality and have no thought for the discipline of discipleship and preparation for the coming of the Lord. The wise ones, however, took oil in their jars along with their lamps. Okay, so here is preparation. Here is foresight. Here is foreplanning. Here is I need to pay attention. I need to have more than enough. I need to have enough to go on For a time frame that I'm not sure when the bridegroom is going to come back. When Jesus is going to come back. Now verse 5. This is important. Three things in this verse. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. And they all. right, that's the second thing. The five wise and the five foolish became drowsy. And here's the third thing and fell asleep. I find that interesting. Okay, so we've got a church that is preparing and aware and alert, but it's a little bit asleep. They're asleep. And we've got a church that's unprepared, and they're also asleep. Now, here's where I need you to link that passage of Scripture I told you to link, uh, that I was reading to you about except to hold on to what you have until I come. Revelation chapter 18, verse 25. All right, now here's the linkage. (coughs) Excuse me. At midnight, verse 6, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Okay. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. Now, what I want you to understand is the cry is the signs of the times and the implementation of the peace treaty that implements the 70th week of Daniel, which will lead us up to the, 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 the breaking of the treaty in the middle, and it will lead us into the three and a half years tribulation period. That's my understanding of this. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here comes the bridegroom. Now, remember, when the bridegroom comes, when Jesus comes, it is a traumatic event for the planet. Come out to meet him. All right? We're going to talk about coming out of Babylon in Revelation 18 in the next section. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, "Now here's the link. Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out." No, they replied. They may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Wow. You preach this message, and you will be labelled being such an unloving, ungodly person. That there ever will be. But there's going to come a time. And if you read Matthew 24. The chapter before this. You will read some frightening stuff. That Christians are going to be doing to Christians. At that time. And some people are going to be screaming and shouting for help. But they are unprepared. And you will not have enough to help them. No, they replied, verse 9, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Here is the warning. Prepare yourself and have enough oil in your lamp to last the watch. Don't rely on your neighbor. Don't rely on your pastor. You Get oil in your lamp. You get yourself prepared. You get yourself discipled. So they went and tried to find oil. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch. Because you do not know the day or hour. The responsibility is on you to keep watch, to keep yourself alert. Four times in Matthew 24, you are warned to be watchful, watchful for deception, watchful for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Deception is a key sign that Jesus is returning. Jesus is going to come when it is dark. Look at all the pictures of how these events are described. He's described as coming like a thief. He's described as you not do not know the hour, the time, or day. The the darker the world gets, the darker the world gets morally, the darker the world gets spiritually, the closer we are to his return, and the brighter and brighter the illumination will come upon the remnant. The Laodicean church was blind, it was naked, it was poor, it was lukewarm. Here you've got virgins that were unprepared, and you've got virgins that are prepared. In the last days, there's going to be a lot of blindness, there's going to be a lot of ignorance, there's going to be a lot of carnality, there's going to be a lot of deception within the church. However, in the last days, there's going to be such a great... Understanding of Scripture among the remnant, things are going to become brighter and brighter for those at the end, because the books of the of of prophetic word, like Daniel, have been sealed for that generation at the end. And I'm telling you now, an understanding of Scripture, of depth of knowledge of the Word being lived out, is going to be a gauge for faithfulness. And as we get closer to the return of Jesus, the faithful church. At the time of the apocalypse, the end of the age, for them, the curtain's going to go up. Revelation is going to become deeper. They're going to see more. They're going to see further. But the unfaithful church, the ecumenical church, the emergent church, the seeker-sensitive church, the soft gospel church, the world council of churches, for them, in the apocalypse, the curtain's going to go down. And things are going to get darker and darker for them. Brighter and brighter, darker and darker. I want you to notice this. This is important. Have you noticed... Within yourself, how much you are starting to see things clearer. And have you noticed within yourself how people around you sometimes might be sitting in the pew next to you. For them, these things seem to be fantastical. If I can use that word and make up that word. These things seem to be unbelievable. And for them, they were looking at you and they're thinking that you're some kind of a strange being. oil. Do you have it? There will come a time when you, when you will realize when they will realize that they are wrong but it will be too late time will be up and they will have run out of time and people might be saying to you, well you've been talking about the things of the Lord for 2000 years well, tell that to Adam and Eve at the expulsion from Edom. Tell that to the people that had their language confused. Tell that to the people when the floodwaters covered them. Tell that to the people when they went into Babylon as prisoners. When he comes, when Jesus comes, as in the Song of Solomon, it is going to be the best dream you will ever have had. Or it is going to be the worst nightmare that will ever confront you until you ultimately end up lost forever in the fires of hell. In the news I read of denomination after of denomination moving off a strong biblical base and heritage, getting more and more shallow, getting more and more motivational, getting more and more emergent. As they get swamped by the great prostitute, the mother of all harlots, Babylon, mystery Babylon the Great. And it would seem that the faithful church is getting more and more opposed, persecuted, and becoming a remnant. In the next podcast, Babylon 3, I'm going to be talking about how you come out of Babylon, coming out of Babylon now. Just remember my definition. For Babylon is a satanic system of the government of this world into which mankind and demonic spirits work together for the one purpose of uniting all mankind into worshipping Satan and this will have its culmination during the tribulation under the Antichrist. And the religion of Babylon is a non-absolute, flesh-gratifying, do-it-yourself mixed together with copious dollops of Gnostic worship that will also point you to worshipping Satan. I just pray that you will open your heart to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church in these days. Go read through all, all the seven letters and just pray those prayers. Lord, help me wake up. Help me hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Help me to be part of this victorious, overcoming generation, the remnant that is called by you and will stand firm with you to the end. Give me help through the Holy Spirit right now to be bold and be courageous and to stand among the multitude that accounted for you and call you Lord God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Talk to you next time. Thank you.